Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from the father of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Eric Dubois, as Manitoba Moose Training Camp is underway. It's been a wild ride for the family. He explains what it's been like and what it's going to be like having his son in the same city as him. Also, we head to Edmonton to find out what's going on with the football team there. They don't have a head coach anymore. What gives? Morley Scott from 630 Ched will fill us in on the podcast. Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's been a very popular topic over the last 48 hours, as expected, whenever a big-name trade happens. But it's not very common that the player traded to your market happens to have his father working in the organization. We know Dave Lowry and Adam Lowry are both here. Adam was here first, but Eric Dubois has been with the Manitoba Moose, working with their defenseman for a while now. And guess what? He calls Winnipeg his permanent home. And so we got the chance to talk to him today because today is the first day of Manitoba Moose training camp. And as you could expect, a lot of media here in Winnipeg wanted to get Eric's thoughts on all that has transpired. So let's share them with you now, Eric Dubois, on the very busy weekend that was had by the Dubois family. Yeah, way too much. Uh, uh, the only time I, I could get some quiet time was uh, every time I got on the ice. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we, uh, me and my wife were really excited about uh, uh, having our son back in town. I, I was trying to remember last time he uh, he stayed at home. It was probably when he was 15, 14, something like that. So uh, we haven't uh, got him that close for a long, long time. So, uh, no, it's... Uh, it's nice to see. It's, uh, I'm sure mommy was just as excited as I was, so uh, it was fun. He also detailed the chats he had with his son as the rumors heated up last week. Oh, well, he uh, he called me pretty much every hour to talk about uh, where he might end up, uh, if I heard anything in Winnipeg. Uh, you know, uh, so, I mean, he waked me up twice uh, at night, and the third time he called me, I uh, just muted the sound because I was, man, I got to sleep at one point. So it was kind of a crazy to, you know, to anticipate, to see where he could, uh, he could, uh, you know, be traded to. And, uh, and uh, it got especially excited for, for us to see that uh, the Jets were involved in that, in that race. Uh, but at the same time, we're kind of nervous, you know, how would that transpire, you know, as far as uh, being traded to, to an organization that I work for. So, uh, yeah, there was, uh, there was some different f- feeling uh, Friday and Saturday. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the, uh, of the day, Saturday especially, uh, you know, when everything, everything was done, you know, we, we got excited. We got a chance to see him quick, quick uh, Saturday night. So uh, it was fun. He was also asked about witnessing the fallout in Columbus and, of course, that infamous bad shift. Well, I think my son mentioned the right thing yesterday. You know, I he probably played 250 games so far in the NHL, and, you know, I don't know how many shifts, but maybe 6,000 shifts. Uh, I don't think my shift has been the, like the last one. Um, and uh, if you watched the game at – I thought he had two good shifts early on uh, in that first period where he created two scoring chances. So uh, had, I'd rather, you know, remember what, what he could do and what he did early on than uh, his last shift. I, I think, uh, you know, that's all you have to remember, that uh, we don't know everything. We don't know everything that tried to on the bench that night. And uh, even me, he, we, 
you know, we haven't talked about it. So uh, I, I think uh, I think it's one good one good thing about it. He's uh, he's coming here. He's happy to to, to play here. Uh, he had a great conversation with Paul, and uh, he's excited. It's a new chapter for him, and so whatever happened in the past, and you'll you'll see early on with him, he's uh, he forget pretty quick. Uh, he moves on quick for what things happened before. So. Uh, uh, I'd like to do the same thing. Whatever's in the past is in the past. What's it like now being in the same organization? Are there boundaries that have to be put up? Well, my boundaries is I work for the Moose first and foremost, and my job's to to help develop the, the next generation of defensemen for the Jets. So uh, that's my job. Uh, after that, I'm a dad, and uh, if he needs uh, to talk uh, or needs to reach me, I'm there for him, but uh, that's the boundaries. You know, I, I'll be a dad first, and I, there's a great coaching stuff with the Jets, and now I'll let them do their job. So, uh, yeah, as far as uh, boundaries, I'm, I'm a dad, and uh, so whatever he, re- he needs to, to talk to and uh, reach, I'm here for him, but well, that's about it. We learned from Pierre-Luc over the weekend that they actually spent the uh, some time in the summer as a whole family. Here in Winnipeg. Well, uh, as soon as our country got in quarantine, my daughter left Montreal right away and she came here. And uh, a couple days later, he was, wait wait a minute, uh, I'm, I'm coming out also. So we had both kids for, uh, you know, probably 1st of April. We had the kids for five weeks, five straight weeks. And uh, and me and my wife were, man, we're lucky, you know, I, like we don't remember last time we had the five the two kids together for for at least five weeks so yeah we did spend a lot of time uh april till mid-may just about or at the end of may uh it was fun it was fun uh he got to know the city a little bit we we'd go get some grocery or go to the lucas like he mentioned get grab some food for the week so we didn't have or we order some food and uh and uh it, I'm sorry, guys, but it's not mommy cooking; it's daddy's cooking. So, <laughs> but uh, no, we just had a good time. We, like you mentioned yesterday or the day before, we bought two bikes, so so we had three bikes, and uh, we'd go together. We uh, we ride the Cinnabon Park a lot uh, during that time. It was a, it was a good time. It was fun to for us, the parents, to have both kids with us. But uh, yeah, and uh, we could see that uh, our two kids also reconnecting, you know, and spending times together. A lot of times they'd go in the basement together and watch a movie. Me and my wife would stay upstairs, so it was a quality time, as we said. Remember those days in the summer in Manitoba when there wasn't really much COVID going on here, and we could. Pretty much do most of the things we would normally do. Ah, those were the days. Also, it was warm, so we could actually bike outside. Anyway, he talked today about preaching to his son at a young age that developing a complete game was vital, and this was something that Pierre-Luc took to heart because he was a very inquisitive, inquiring young boy. Yeah, he was... uh... He's always been very passionate about the game early on. And uh, so uh, a lot of times I do video and uh, he'd sit down with me and uh, we watch video together and he'd ask questions where, why, and, uh, you know, why am I getting that clip, uh, you know, for tomorrow for practice or video meeting. So 
he had a lot of question about those things. So I think he picked up early on about having a good stick on the ice, uh, reading plays, uh, uh, positioning yourself uh, at the right place on the ice, whether it was in the offensive zone or defensive zone. And then that, that's kind of uh, that's what he's talking about right now is uh, my dad. It's not that I coach him. It's just that he spent so much time uh, around me when I was uh, early on and uh, – the school where he was going at the uh, when he was very young was uh, about 400 meters from our, our arena. So instead of going home for lunch, he'd prefer coming uh, at the arena and have lunch with me. So he'd eat lunch, watch video with me, and then as soon as his lunch was over, he'd go on the ice. So uh, I think that's what uh, you know. He was uh, he was a passionate guy about the sports, and that's where he learned a lot, I guess. What's the son like? Off the ice, away from the rink. Uh, he's very, uh, very easygoing. You know, you know uh, he's uh, he's got a great, great sense of humor. Uh, he's uh, easy to, to to get along. That's what's funny because people see uh, how intense on the ice he is. So, uh, especially when he was young, he, uh, like I mentioned earlier, he's a bad loser. So people were amazed how uh, intense and. Uh, He'd get trouble in minor hockey for getting, you know, two or three minor penalties during a game. And then off the ice, he's very quiet, very uh, jovial and uh, and things like that. So people, wait a minute, uh, they're a totally different person, you know. So, yeah, he's uh, he's an easygoing uh, kid uh, and likes to laugh, likes to be around uh, friends. He's got, a, you know, some very nice group of friends back home in Montreal. And they're all great kids, you know, so... Uh, that's pretty much how he is. You know, he's uh, very low-key, but but uh, very uh, friendly to be around. And finally, one non-question about his son, and that's Logan Stanley, who was a people of his for a number of years in the Manitoba Moose organization. What's it been like seeing him play well in the NHL this past week? Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's playing well, um, and he's getting better. That's what I like about his game right now. Uh, I talked to him after the first game and uh, and after the third game, I sent him a text. I said, keep it up, buddy. You know, you're playing better. You could I could see the confidence starting to show in your game. So, uh, yeah, no, I, that's my job, you know, to help, help those kids uh, uh, eventually become a, a, an NHL player. But, you know, you could always be an up-and-down player. At the end of the day, my job is to make sure they don't come back to me. So, uh, you know, I'm really proud of Logan right now, the way he's uh, playing and uh, could see the confidence uh, every game getting uh, higher and higher. So, uh, no, for sure. He put the effort. We could see right away in training camp his conditioning was much better than it's ever been. So uh, a lot of credits, uh, credit comes to, back to him as far as putting the effort and the time to, to make sure he becomes a, an NHL player. That is Eric Dubois. He is a defensive assistant with the Manitoba Moose and the father of New Jets forward, Pierre-Luc Dubois. CFL news today, kind of out of nowhere. Scott Milanovic, no longer the coach of Edmonton. So who's going to take that job? Who's Edmonton looking for? Who's on the radar to get the lowdown? We're going to head to Edmonton now with the voice of the football club in Edmonton, Morley Scott for 630 Ched. Morley, on a scale of 1 to 10, how stunned were you by this news today? I'd probably go 11 or 12, possibly. Uh, yeah, it came it came out of nowhere for a lot of people, Christian. Uh, I know we talked to uh, 
general manager Brock Sunderland, and he said he got wind of it late last week, and then it uh, it kind of developed over the weekend and, and wrapped up today with uh, Scott Milanovic taking the job with the uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. So, uh, yeah, it, it really stunned a lot of people. It was a big shock for people around Edmonton and uh, and the Edmonton Football Club that Scott Milanovic was resigning. Now we we know he goes to Indianapolis, basically taking the job, the QB job. He was a QB coach in Jacksonville before coming to Edmonton to get the head coaching gig here in December of 2019. Is stability one of the reasons that he left? I think that's part of it. I think he knows uh, what the landscape is going back to the NFL. I think he knows for sure they're going to play, and and you can't really say that about the Canadian Football League. Uh, There is nothing for sure about next year. The the league obviously planning and, and and moving ahead with it, uh, business as usual. But you can't blame the guy. He got the offer. Uh, he gets a chance to work with uh, someone that, that he's worked with a lot as a player and a coach in Marcus Brady, who's the new offensive coordinator. Uh, I think it just worked out that um, it was just a, a good move for him and his family because of the, the uncertainty of it. Uh, I mean, he, like I'm sure every coach in the Canadian Football League, had to take a pay cut over the year, and uh, just the uncertainty hanging over the head of the Canadian Football League probably played a role in it for sure. How's the news being received by people in Edmonton today? Pretty shocked. Uh, it was pretty surprised. A lot of people uh, pretty concerned about what the next move is uh, more than anything else. Um, you know, it, it's kind of weird because, you know, they, they never really got to know Scott Milanovic. Uh, he, he never coached a game. He had the job for over a year, never coached a game with the team, and then the and and people so they didn't have that you know connection to him as of yet they didn't hear him a lot uh on the radio we did a we did a coaching show with him for about uh i guess about uh three months october november and and december and we got to know him a little bit uh once a week that way but for the most part he was just a guy who coached toronto a long time ago and had been in the nfl and, and was about to coach the team i think if he had coached the team for a year and then decided to make this move, then it probably would be a little bit more shocking. Uh, I, I think people, uh, fans' concern more is what's next rather than, than losing Scott Milanovic. So, what's next? Good question. Uh, Brock Sunderland today told me that uh, he, needs, he wants a guy with coaching experience, especially coming in this late in, uh, in, in the cycle. He wants a guy with CFL coaching experience. He said that doesn't have to be head coach, but he wants a guy with a lot of experience as at least a coordinator in the Canadian Football League. So uh, the names that come to mind right now, and, and if you're looking for continuity, uh, the easy move to make is Noel Thorpe uh, and just promote him from from uh, assistant head coach and defensive coordinator to the head coach and defensive coordinator. Uh, Noel played, uh, he was the right-hand man for Scott Milanovic when uh, the school co- uh, coaching staff was put together. He did a lot well. Milanovic was finishing up his time with Jacksonville after he was named coach. Uh, Thorpe did a few of the interviews and, and kind of laid the groundwork a little bit with the coaching staff. So he likes the coaching staff. And that means I would think if he gets the job that they would keep most of the staff in place, they'd have to go out then and find an offensive coordinator uh, to fill that role because Milanovic was also offensive coordinator. So that's one option you can have. Another option out there seems to be Jamie Elizondo, who uh, was uh, who the, uh, the Edmonton football team wanted to talk to uh, after firing Jason Moss, but would could not get permission from the XFL to speak with him. So uh, he's a guy who's out there, and Brock Sunderland has ties to him from his time in Ottawa. So that's one uh, uh, one uh, one other angle. And, and Elizondo would be the OC as well, so that would fill the roles of Scott Milanovic. Uh, some people have suggested Mark Killam again, who uh, had interviewed for a few head coaching jobs. He's a special teams coordinator with the Calgary Stampeders, and a lot of people believe a bright rising star 
in the Canadian Football League. That would mean you'd have to shuffle the staff because it, nowadays you got to have a pretty much a head coach who's a coordinator as well, and he's a special teams coordinator. So what would that mean for A.J. Gass moving forward? And then there's the one out there, Christian. I don't know if you saw the text or not from Chris Jones. Oh, I saw it. Which, that surprised me more than anything else, I think, that he would take that approach. But uh, Chris Jones put up the text, uh, the tweet that uh, he was interested in the job. And that would really throw things um, uh, into an upheaval because uh, I don't know if any of that, that staff would, would be working with Jones or he would want them working with him and where they'd have to go for the coaching staff. He would, of course, be defensive coordinator. And then what do you do with Noel Thorpe moving forward? So, yeah, there's, uh, those are the, the, the names that have been out there the most. I think uh, uh, least likely to me right now would be the Chris Jones scenario, but the other three scenarios uh, make a lot of sense. The, the easy one and the one uh, just to keep, uh, the continuity going, I think, would be would be Noel Thorpe. That's probably where it lies right now. Noel Thorpe, maybe Jamie Elizondo. Yes, the Chris Jones tweet from earlier today. It's him with the Grey Cup that they won. I believe this is the photo from when they won it here in Winnipeg in 2015. At Edmonton football team, just tweeted right at them. Would love the opportunity win another one. He forgot to put two in there, but would love the opportunity win another one. Hashtag Grey Cup 2021. And that kind of sent CFL Twitter into a frenzy today. So that was pretty I, funny, I, was, I thought. I, I was shocked by that because it, it's you know, kind of out of character for Chris Jones. First off, to have a Twitter account and then to actually use it is a totally different thing. But I noticed, I, I went back and looked over the last probably three or four months, he has used it a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of out of character, not just for Chris Jones, but for any coach in that situation to, to go out and publicly campaign for it. On a on a on a on a venue like that using Twitter is uh, it was it was surprising. I mean, I did a couple of double takes. I'm thinking, is that a is that a fake account? And and you know, we, I did some investigating, and yeah, that's that's his account. There's no doubt he sent the tweet. There's no doubt about it. And Willie Jefferson among the many people that commented on it, just saying, "Come on down to Winnipeg. I'm looking for a D line coach." So I don't know if he'd take that move. He's in the CF or he's in the NFL right now. He's working as a defensive assistant with Cleveland, so I would assume he'd stay down there unless he got a, a head coaching gig, but it's just a funny thing to see. He pinned the tweet as well, so he knows, he knows what he's doing on Twitter, which is kind of fun. Yeah, in, indeed, uh, for sure. I, I don't know. I don't think he'd take just a position coach's job. Uh, I, w- I would think, first and foremost, he'd want to be coaching GM, and that's not going to happen in Edmonton. So maybe just being head coach, will that be enough? I don't know. He's been away from the head coaching uh, side of things now for a couple of years. Maybe he wants to get back into it and become a head coach again, and that's and that's why he's expressing his interest. But man, oh man, that's sure the day was interesting already. But that just made made things even more interesting moving forward. All right, a couple other things with the football team before I let you go. We're still calling them the football team because they don't have a new name yet. Is uh, there a timeline on that? Just or is it just before the season starts? Uh, yes, uh, they're targeting from everything we know the, the first couple of weeks of April, maybe late March, but I would guess more uh, into the first couple of weeks of April to make their announcement. Uh, they always said uh, going in, they, they released or they took uh, suggestions on names uh, back in the fall uh, from fans uh, via Twitter and Facebook and, and email and all that stuff. And then they kind of put out a list of what the fans said was the top 10 favorite. And, and they're saying how along the fans are helping, but they're not choosing the name. It's going to come up to the, come down to the football club, making the decision at the end. And they kind of said at the time that uh, early in the new year, they'll put out a list of names that, uh, that they think will be uh, in the final category and then kind of let the fans have their say on those names. So I think they're going to probably make a move maybe next month and then make, the uh, final announcement and the final decision or make the final decision and then the announcement 
sometime in early April, and they'll be ready to go as the Edmonton whatever they decide on for the 2021 season. I reckon they probably chose the name a long time ago, and they're kind of just waiting to roll it out. But before I let you go, Darrell Walker, was that something that kind of came out of the blue too, or was that something that was in the works for a while? Uh, I think it. Uh, I think it was in the works for a while. I know that they talked uh, a year ago at free agency, but it just never. It just never got put together. So they uh, they let it lie for the year, and, and Walker ended up not signing with anyone, and that's why he was available. Now uh, it, it was a bit of a surprise too. Nice to see Walker decide that that he wants to to come back to Edmonton and play where he had so much success over the four years that that he was here. Of course, also a member of the Grey Cup team in 2015 as well that won it in Winnipeg. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a big, bold move, and that, that kind of ties in. We were talking a little bit about that uh, today. Uh, Brock Sunderland has uh, the ability to, to really surprise people and make, uh, make good decisions and surprise people. I mean, he did it with Scott Milanovic. He did it with Trevor Harris. Uh, he did it with Darrell Walker, and I think a lot of people are saying, yeah, he's probably going to be able to, to salvage this coaching situation as well. And, and he said today he's got no timeline on it. He wants to uh, get the right guy, not necessarily uh, the right guy right now, but the right guy uh, for the football team. So it may take more than the couple of weeks most people are projecting before free agency opens up. Because you want to have a coach in place, right? You don't want to be talking to prospective free agents yeah. and have them ask, ask the question, well, who's your coach? And you want to have an answer for that, right? Yeah, and I saw that the domino effect is that Greg Ellingson's probably not going to stay now. What's that? Sorry, because they signed Walker, that means that Greg Ellingson's probably gone. Yeah, I think that's that's the tea leaves. Uh, I don't know if there's enough money uh, around. If if he does stay, he'd have to take a pretty healthy pay cut. That's for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that seems to be the general consensus. I mean, they have. Uh, um, Ricky Collins Jr. under under uh, contract as well, and I think uh, he proved last year or 2019 that that he's capable of being a thousand yard guy. And I think if they have him and Darrell Walker, that would be their two choices. Plus, Tavon Smith uh, just took leaps and bounds in in his year in 2019 and is ready, I think, for more uh, more responsibility as well. So, uh, if Ellingson returns, I think it would be at a pretty healthy pay cut. Fair enough. All right, Morley, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. Stay safe, and hopefully we got some football to talk about in the months ahead. Looking forward to it, Christian. Thanks very much. Stay warm, man. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?